The word of the Lord from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must first rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear hearers in Christ, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The beginning began with a garden. God created the heavens and the earth, sea and land, plants and animals, fish and birds. Finally, Adam and Eve. All creation was good, perfectly good in every way. And Adam and Eve and their descendants could roam wherever they wished. Even so, God created a home for them, a paradise in a place called Eden. And there, in the midst of that garden, God planted the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There, God would meet with them. And there, they would worship him by joyfully eating of life and joyfully avoiding forbidden fruit and death. 
Without sin, there was no death, nor any other consequences of the corruption that sin brings, which means that there would be no sorrow or sighing or pain or weeping. There in the garden, God dwelt with man. There in the garden, God walked with Adam and Eve. When God came to walk with them in the cool of a day, he found disaster. Rather than hold fast to him and his word and his life, Eve had listened to the temptations of the evil one and eaten the forbidden fruit. She wasn't the only one. Adam had participated in the sin, first by his silence as the devil tempted, then by going all in and eating the fruit as well. Conscious of the catastrophe, they'd run and hidden from God, sewing pathetic little fig leaf outfits to cover themselves from the all-seeing eyes of the divine. Stricken with sin and shame, they heard God calling. And as he called, did they weep? How could they not? But God called out to be merciful, and when he found his fallen children, he announced right away that the Savior would come. In the fullness of time, the seed of the woman would be born to do battle with Satan and his offspring. He would suffer in the fighting, but at last he would crush the devil. It wouldn't happen right away, but Adam and Eve and their children could hold on to the promise that the Savior would come and deliver them from death. In the meantime, though, there were consequences for their sin. The Lord cast them out of paradise though not before clothing them in the skins of animals to cover them. In God's design, the garden was for perfect man, because in the garden was the tree of life. On Good Friday, God has kept his promises. The seed of the woman has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And although he is perfectly human, he is also fully God at work to save. He has spent all of his years living a perfectly righteous life. This one, the second Adam, has done what the first Adam failed to do. He has kept his father's holy word, even though beset by temptation and confronted by all sorts of evil. Wherever Jesus goes, there's a bit of the Garden of Eden restored, because wherever he goes, he is God walking with man again. And wherever he goes, he gives hints of the paradise that was lost, the perfection he has come to restore. When he cleanses the leper or makes the blind see or feeds the hungry, he's doing more than just a miracle. He's giving a glimpse of what life was like before in Eden and what life will be like in heaven. He has come to save sinners, to restore all that was lost. God has kept his promises. But what do we find on Good Friday? In response to God's outstanding mercy and grace, mankind has elected to kill God. For all sorts of reasons, motivated by sin and guilt and shame, they have seen fit to take the Savior, shed his blood, and nail his body to a cross. Once in Eden, God cast man out of paradise for his sin. 
At Golgotha, man casts God into the grave for his love. God is love, though, and so he uses this death for the redemption of mankind. Being God, the sinless Jesus shoulders all of the sins of the world and dies for them on the cross. He suffers all divine wrath for sin so that no one needs suffer for their own sins. Before he dies, he cries out that it is finished, the price is paid, that his death is sufficient to pay for the sins of the world. Followers take his body down from the cross to give it a proper burial. And what do we read just two verses before our gospel lesson? We read, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Isn't it kind of fitting that God, who created a garden for Adam and Eve to live forever, would be laid to rest in a garden after the descendants of Adam and Eve kill him? When the sun sets on Good Friday, sinners are still outside the garden, and God is buried within. Which finally brings us to our gospel reading for this service. Mary Magdalene has gone to the tomb early in the morning, and having found the stone rolled away, she's rousted Peter and John. They've run to the tomb and looked inside. The burial cloths are there, but there's no body to be found. The one who clothed dying Adam and Eve has shed his clothes of death. While they go home to puzzle this out, Mary stays in the garden and weeps. She peers into the tomb again to find two angels who ask her, Woman, why are you weeping? As she explains that she doesn't know where some have taken Jesus' body, she becomes conscious of another behind her who says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Oh, it's the gardener, all right. It's the one who created the Garden of Eden in the first place. It's the gardener who has died on the cross and been buried in the tomb. It's the gardener who has, I suppose, taken the Lord away from the tomb because wherever Jesus goes, there he is. The Lord of the garden is risen from the dead. He could walk as of old in the garden with his daughter of Eve, except she apparently has a strong hold on him so that he can't move. So he says, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Leaving the tomb is only the start. Next up, the risen Lord is on his way to heaven, that where he is, you may be also. There is no reason for Mary to weep that day. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now your time of weeping is not quite done. You are like Mary Magdalene before the gardener appears. You have heard that Jesus is risen, but you have not yet seen him. You are still in a world where you will have your share of tears, troubles to test, griefs to endure. 
but you also have hope. And when you are tempted to think that the resurrection means little if you must still suffer for a while, ponder what it would be like if there were no resurrection. No, you have hope, certain hope, because Christ is risen from the dead and he is ascended into heaven. He is your Savior, so his Father is your Father, and his God is your God. Sin, death, and devil are defeated, and death is the conquered enemy who will be destroyed on the last day. And even though that enemy remains for now, remember that you're baptized, joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so you've already died the greater death, and you already have eternal life. In Christ, no hell for you, only heaven. Until then, do more than cling to your Savior. Receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And know this, that because Christ lives, the day is coming when sorrow and weeping will be no more. Why? Because he is risen, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.